Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a moment in your life that changed everything? Maybe changed a very difficult situation in life, difficult set of circumstances, into something that was very positive, very good. Very good. Maybe something like this. Uh, we'll start with the, the most, the smallest, and we'll, we'll kind of gain seriousness as we go along. How many of you have ever found a $100 bill on the ground? All right. Wow. Holy cow. This is great. I've never done that. There's several hands. I'm going to hang out with you guys. Uh, yeah, that, that doesn't happen very often, but like you have a really bad day. Somebody just lashes out at you or something very uncomfortable in the subway or just the, the workload or something. And then all of a sudden, hey, this is my day. Right. Well, that's small. Uh, perhaps some of you are students right now and you're getting ready to think through final exams and uh, this pressure is weighing on you right now. And then the bell rings or the final day comes and all of a sudden, wow, that was easy. It's summertime. It's time to have rest. Right, that may be just that moment. Totally switches your attitude. For us, we have five kids and I think each one of these children, right, with Sarah, right, um, the, the, the nine months of expectancy, uh, and then that ninth month gets, gets very difficult. And then the intense pain of the maybe 12 hours of labor. And that is some serious pain. I cannot speak about that pain, but I know my wife can. Um, and then all of a sudden, there's this cry. And then the, the baby's in your hands. And the pain is very far removed just in an instant. We could go to even more severe times that we wouldn't want to picture. And maybe you have some of these chapters in your life, very dark periods, and, and it's maybe a war, maybe a, a terminal illness that your close friend or spouse had to go through. And perhaps... The peace treaty was signed. Or perhaps everything turned around. Well, if we would, were to lump all of those together, we would find ourselves Friday night in the disciples' hearts. It was the dark, the darkest of nights. And yet the resurrection, this Easter morning, is the hinge on which that page it turns and it goes totally from the most negative, darkest period of history to the brightest, to the most hopeful in all of our lives. In all of our lives. This horrible period turns bright. And I just hope that you will leave today with the understanding of why this is the case. Why this is not just a children's story. But why this is the truth and why it's so important for all of us today. This is going through our series. Actually, we're finishing up our series. Though I'm going to totally skip the review about who is Jesus. But what I want us to, to close this series on this thought. Who is Jesus? Do you have an answer to that? Do you know who Jesus is? And I, I want us to move past just the facts of saying, well, I could answer all the questions right. A, B, C, D, E. Two, 
very personally, do you know Jesus? Not just can you answer all the questions, did you read the Bible, but do you know Jesus in a very personal way? Let's move from a dating profile or a Facebook profile and think, oh, here I know all about this person, to I know this person intimately as a spouse. Do you know who Jesus is? Okay, and that's the question we'll end with today. But let's dive into the resurrection itself. And for sake of time, we're just going to move right into the, the, actual, the actual time period. We've, we've been going through this, and we've gone through his life, and then his last week, and we did Palm Sunday, we did Wednesday night, we looked at his trials, Thursday night, we looked at uh, Friday night, we looked at the, the cross itself, and then today, get right into Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, this account, the right response. Well, the report of the first Easter believers, and you see your notes there, you have a couple blanks to fill in. Uh, the earth cries out. It's amazing to see all the different references to what the earth is doing. Right? And, and it's like, if, if the people are not seeing this, the earth is. The earth cries out. Uh, ladies get up early and they come. Uh, this first report after the Sabbath, okay? So these ladies kept the Sabbath. Um, and uh, probably what would happen here is, is Friday Jesus dies. And then as it gets closer to evening, they don't have enough time to go and buy the spices. So as, as good Jewish ladies, they, they wait 24 hours for the Sabbath to be done before finally Saturday night, the Sabbath is done. They can go and buy spices and now they can come and prepare Jesus' body for burial. So that's what's going on there after the Sabbath. As it began to dawn, toward the first day of the week, right? Sunday, this day, the Sabbath is over and now Sunday and we find a couple ladies coming forward. Mary Magdalene, we've learned about her. And the other Mary came to look at the grave. We have the first people coming to the grave. We'll just take a brief look at this grave, what it would have looked like. Um, this is uh, where a church is standing at this point. Um, but, but actually, the original tomb, this is an artist's depiction. The original tomb would have looked something like this. You walk down into it. This would be a very wealthy person's tomb, as you remember. He's with the rich man in his death and... So a very wealthy person uh, allowed Jesus to be buried in, in their tomb, to rent it, rent some space for a few days. Uh, and, and so there's this, this huge, probably cylinder-type stone that would have been rolled in front to make it air-packed. Uh, this would have been dis destroyed uh, 150 years after this, and, and then another church building was built on top of it. So anyway... Um, but this is what it would have looked like, and, and you have these ladies coming from Jerusalem early in the morning, and they start to think, wait a second, uh, and it's just ladies. Actually, there's probably six, at least six ladies, and you know who they are? They're moms. Most of them are moms, and, and a couple of them are, there's the mom, mother of Jesus, and then some of them are, two others are mothers of disciples. Where are the disciples? <laughs> Where are these strong young men? Right. 
And, and it's really neat how the, these moms are in tune, and they're like, we need, we need to take care of this. Now, I mean, maybe this is just, I think the guys are scared, uh, but I might be wrong there. Um, they definitely forsook him and fled. We know that was the last scene. But each of the Gospels account how, how ladies are the first ones to the scene. Now, I have a, I have a godly mom wife, and three daughters. And I could see how this would be the case. Um, maybe I'd be sitting there afraid and, and, and my mom would be the first one in the scene. I don't know. Anyway, put yourself in their shoes, their sandals, early in the morning. Like, we got to go and get this done. Uh, I would say this real quick. If you were making up this story in that culture, you would not have told it that way. Okay? This adds to the genuineness of this account. They would have hid that. Ladies, the first ones of the scene. What about our heroes, Peter, James, and John? Right, they, they would have told it differently, but each of the Gospels share this. And so we have these ladies coming, um, and they start talking. Wait a second, this stone, where there's no way we're going to roll this stone away. How, how are we going to take care of that? And as they're coming, I don't believe they're actually on scene when this happens, but an angel comes from heaven, the angel of the Lord, and rolls the stone away with an earthquake. And so they feel this trembling, this earth shaking. There was an earthquake when Jesus died that, that actually had lasting effects, but this one would have maybe been a, a tremor, probably not marking the resurrection, but marking the angel coming to roll the stone away. And, and this angel appears in bright light like lightning. And the guards drop as dead men. Look at this. I mean, you have these Roman soldiers trained, strong. They can withstand anything. And an angel comes and they fall like dead men. And mothers come to the scene. Isn't that awesome? How the Lord chooses to describe the resurrection on that first early morning. See their, their breath. It's chilly. Dawn. Right? It's just the break of dawn they come. These soldiers are dead. As dead. They're not dead. And the ladies come to the scene. They show up. What's going on here? Right? There's all these Roman soldiers lying like they're taking a nap. <sighs> They come, they see, and then there's this bright, shining one there. Probably two of them. One of them looks like a young man and starts talking to them. And they give this great news. The messenger delivers this great news. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. And we have the first proclamation of the good news. The first proclamation of Jesus' birth was done from an angel to the lowly shepherds. The first proclamation of Jesus' resurrection is done by an angel to these mothers. And this is the phrase. I, I wish we could take an hour with this. We're not going to. But this is the description of the resurrection. This is what you have in the Bible. If Hollywood, and, and they do, were to make this up, they would dig into this, and this would be three episodes long. Right? This would be the whole movie. God tells the story. He talks about these mothers coming. 
And then it just says it's here. He's risen. Matter of fact. Statement. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said. He has risen. Just as he said. And the story is told. Mark states, he is not here. He is risen. Just as he said. Luke states, he is not here. He is risen. Remember what he said. That's it. That's the resurrection in the Bible. Momentous, world-changing, life-giving, ever-enduring, hope-fulfilling, Satan-killing, peace on earth, God's paradise brought down in this statement, and that's how the Bible describes it. Humans, your savior, savior has conquered death. The darkest day has turned into the brightest light, and the angel just says, come on. It's really cool. The picture is, he's sitting on the stone. It's like he's taking an afternoon, just sitting there. Huge stone. The angel is just sitting on the stone and says, come here, I, examine it. It's just as he said. I, I wish we knew what it looked like when it actually happened. Right? I, I, like our mind, our imagination wants to hear this story, just like creation. Like we want to see what these events were, but, but the Holy Spirit does not give these, these gospel writers any more knowledge than what was firsthand seen, and no one saw it. And so the Lord leaves it there. Like, I mean, was, was Jesus, he was in paradise, and then... And then the father says, okay, son, it's time to go into the body and, and get up. And then he comes and there's this loud sound or bright light or, like, I wonder, maybe in eternity the Lord will help us see that. But he leaves it blank and just states it's done. But until that point, the question remained. Until that point, humanity's eternal state hung in the balance. Until this declaration, we would never have known whether the sacrifice was enough. But with this statement, he has risen. We know that death is dead. Would the sacrifice be enough to satisfy the right demands of God for the breaking of the law? Yes, in his blood, the oceans of sin were drowned completely so that we can all be raised up. This is the explanation of this. Um, you have rebellion and sin of all humanity. And, and so that's all of us. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's very rare for me to find someone who says they've never done anything wrong. Every once in a while we will. But, but Jesus says, listen, you can take the most strict Orthodox Jewish person and your righteousness has to far exceed that. If you, like, there's just no way on earth. So all of us have fallen short. We, we have this rebellion in it all the way back to the Garden of Eden when they disobeyed God, Adam and Eve. And so this rebellion and sin brought death, right? The wages of sin is death. 
The punishment is separation from God in this death. So, so, so as Jesus dies and is buried, he, he has taken upon himself all of our sin, and he's gone into the grave. Jesus never would have died. He never sinned. And, and yet he took upon himself all of our sin, and that took him to the grave. It took him to death. It's kind of like if you were to imagine, I'm not going to do it, but if I were to do a, a sit-up up here, I can do that. I can do at least one. Right? How many do you need to do for basic training? What do you think? All right, some of you know, because you've done it recently. But, um, right, maybe, maybe I could do 100 here. I don't know. Anyway, but then if you put a weight vest on me, that would be more difficult. Jesus could easily, he, he didn't need to die. Straight up. He's, he's fine with doing, doing a sit-up. But what if you take the weight of all of our sin, like a weight vest, and you place it upon the Lamb, and the Lamb goes down to die? That's the question. The question is not whether Jesus can conquer death for himself. The question is, is the sacrifice enough for you? Is the sacrifice enough for me and my stupid rebellions? That's what's going on here. You see, that's why the, the balance of history is, is leaning on this moment. Because Jesus has taken Good Friday and he's placed upon himself all of our sin like a weight vest, and he has entered that grave. And the question is, is he able to conquer all of our sin? Is the Lamb's death sufficient? And so Jesus, Romans 1.4 says, He was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. And so when he came to life, all of our sins we're expiated. We, we knew that it was enough. It is finished is the cross. Sacrifice is offered. He is risen is the empty two. Sacrifice is accepted. And so that's what it is. He is risen today. That's the good news of this. That, that Jesus was able to sit up. That the Father was receiving the sacrifice of the Lamb for the sins of all of humanity, so that we could go back to the garden. Back to the Garden of Eden before there was any sin, before there was any death, and really all of history is just a short space of time. And I realize there's a lot of pain in there, there's a lot of deaths in there, there's a lot of wars in there, there's a lot of bankruptcy and trials and all of these things, but just a few short moments, all of it will be done, and there will be Garden of Eden again. That's the story of history. Just as he said, and, and I could go into that, I, I won't, but he, he said it over and over and over. He is risen, he is not here, just as he said. If you're taking notes, maybe you'll write these down. Matthew 12, 40, Matthew 16, 21, Matthew 17, verses 9 to 12, Matthew 17, verses 22 to 23, Matthew 20, verses 17 to 19, Matthew 26, verses 31 to 33. Okay, so I gave you a few of those. 
Those were all the times where Jesus said, I'm going to die and rise again. Just as he said, look, look, this is not a surprise. He prophesied it would happen and he did it. He stated it so often. And so the angel said, listen, it's just like he said he would do. Come and see where he lied. And look, go and tell people about it. Verse 7, go quickly tell his disciples. So this is the question. Are they going to believe it? And that's the question for you today. Okay, Just imagine that it's just you and Jesus sitting in this room. And and this is the question for you. He met you at the tomb. Are you going to believe it or not? Well, they believe it, don't they? You have this response of faith. They left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. If you believe it today, if you take this truth as, as for yourself, that Jesus died for your sins, that he was buried because of them, and he rose again to have victory over all of your lawless deeds, then this is what will happen. Jesus will meet you on the way. And he will be your friend that sticks closer than a brother. He will be your savior and your shepherd and your keeper. That's what happens to these ladies. The response of faith meets Jesus. Behold, Jesus met them and greeted them, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take my word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and they will see me. This is, the, this is what happens to the heart of faith, the footsteps of faith, Meet Jesus along the way. Jesus comes and greets them. And they respond as they should with worship. This is, this is one of several times. I think I count at least six times in the Gospel of Matthew where people worship Jesus. All the way back to his birth at the Magi. And so they respond as they, you just see them there. They're, they're on their faces at his feet. This is what the Bible's describing. In Jesus' resurrection. That's why we have worship service to this day. They worship their worthy friend. My brother, he starts to call them now. But there were skeptics as well, weren't there? And so we have, uh, we'll just walk through this real quick. This report of the first Easter skeptics or non-Christians, non-believers, because there are people who reject. All these Jewish ladies believed they received. Peter, James, and John are going to believe. They're going to receive. Many thousands that first seven weeks are going to believe and receive. Actually, of the chief priests even. But some are going to believe a lie. And so you have this messenger deliver the good news to them as well. Now, while they were on their way, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that happened. Same idea. The message is reported. The good news of the resurrection is reported to the ladies. They believe. They meet Jesus. They know him as a friend. The message is reported to the leaders of Israel who are waiting for Messiah. They tell them all that happened. And what do they respond? Rejection. Same facts. Like we just fell. We saw this angel. We fell on our face. The tomb is empty. And ladies saw it. So there's no way we can sweep this under the rug. No doubt it's spreading like wildfire right now. How are they going to respond? They respond in a different kind of fear. A fear that says, let's cover this up. We can't let this get out. 
We got we to gotta, we gotta spin a news story that goes against this. That says the exact opposite thing of what's happened. And these soldiers who were hired to keep a lie from happening are hired to tell a lie. Uh, the, the dead ones, when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave them a large sum of money. said, look, this is what you're going to say. The disciples came by night and stole them away while we were asleep. This is, this is our message. This is as good as we could do. That is all they could do. What else are they going to say? But nobody's going to believe that. They saw these disciples turn and run, scared out of their gourd for the next seven weeks. This is no way they did this. These are trained soldiers. Peter, at his best, was able to lop off the ear of one of the high priest's servants. Didn't touch any soldier. Right. And, and so, but this is, the, this is what we're going to say. You guys fell asleep. And listen, I realize that that means you'll be executed when it's time for you to be executed because you fell asleep on the job. We will actually intervene for you and we'll make sure you're not put to death. And so they do it. Um, if it should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did just as he said. And the story was widely spread among the Jews as to this day. Now, there's so many facts that go into this that show that this could have never happened. There are the eyewitnesses there. They continue to share. Jesus starts appearing to people in his resurrected body. And we're going to look at that here in a couple weeks. Um, but this, these are where we're left for today. Okay, so my question for you as we head out. We're going to have a little bit of refreshment, Easter egg hunt for the kiddos. But, but before we get into all that, that silliness, let, let's just, just put, yourself, put yourself in that tomb right now. Could you do that? Could you just imagine yourself there? You're sitting there. You see the grave clothes lying straight. Some people are saying they saw him. An angel is saying he's arisen. Are you going to believe it today? Are you going to believe this message that Jesus is real, the Son of God, that God has made all things, He has also set up laws, and humanity has broken those laws. You have broken those laws. And so He came to take the penalty for the breaking of the laws. And, and, and now He has died in your place. Are you going to trust that that's true and just, just believe it? Just say, Jesus, I believe you. He just, he's there with you. He wants to meet with you. You don't need to do any kind of signing up for any denomination. You don't need to do any kind of giving money. None of that is involved in this. The transaction is between you and Jesus. He has died for you. Are you going to believe it? And are you going to receive this as truth today? If you do, if you, if you turn to him in faith, then, then he will come to you and there will be this not just the canceling out of all your wrongdoings, but there will be this friendship gained with God himself who paid hell's payment for you. We often think of this is wrong, that's wrong. Unemployment, lack of health, needing a meaningful, intimate relationships, maybe some gadget that you're wanting. All these surface things really are, are saying in your soul you need something deeper than that. And that is this relationship with, with your God. 
And the only way you can have that relationship with your God is if God comes down and takes you to himself. And so as you respond to this Easter message, this first Easter message, uh, Jesus will be your Savior. Who is Jesus? He will be your Savior, your guide, your friend, your shepherd for eternity. It's just you and him. It has nothing to do with religion. God himself has come and he's offered this to you as a bridge. I'm just a silly messenger who's received it and wants to tell you about it. And so I would ask you in closing prayer here to talk to him. May I ask you to open up your heart of faith and believe in him. It's true. This is a fact of history. Cannot be discounted. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to respond in faith or rejection? Lovely Strobel's testimony. You can read it in many different forms. How Easter killed my faith in atheism. He was an atheist, um, Chicago Tribune editor at the time, and his wife became a Christian. She was agnostic. She became a Christian, and, and then he started to to, to research, to put her at, at bay. And it was the empty tomb as he researched that. There's no way to get around it. The witnesses, the historical evidence, there's no way to get around it. There's no way to answer it. In the end, it, it crucified his atheism. And he's celebrating Easter to this day. Not because of wishful thinking, he says, not because of a psychological crutch, but because of the facts. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's just close our eyes. Let's talk to the Lord. If you would like to receive this message, it's, it's something between you and God, and so you just talk to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He doesn't come through any church organization. It comes through Jesus. And, and he's here. Uh, he, he wants you to receive him. As many as received him, he became... Gave them power to become sons of God, daughters of God. And so I would ask you to just call upon him and say, Lord, I believe this message. I believe that this is not just a kid's fairy tale, but I believe that Jesus really died in my place. He really suffered the penalty of hell. And that resurrection was the the approval. I believe that now because of that, You can forgive my sin and grant me eternal life. I give you my heart. I worship you now as my Lord and Savior. If you would cry out to him something of that nature, he would hear your heart and he would meet with you. I would encourage you to do that now as the piano is playing. Would you come to the Lord in that way? In a moment, we'll close in prayer. I have a little gift for you. But, But this is the most important gift for you to receive. gift of eternal life through Jesus. I'll be standing in the back lobby, be happy to pray with any of you, have a couple other counselors who'd be happy to pray with you. But, but it's really between you and the Lord. So just come to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. Many of the folks in here actually came to the Lord on Easter Sunday. And this is their second anniversary, third anniversary, fourth anniversary. It's a neat, neat thing. A great day to come to faith. The moment Pastor Andrew will close us in prayer.
Again, if you'd like counsel, be standing in the back lobby. Happy to pray with you.